so I've listened to all the interviews with uh, Sound Animal. Mm-hmm. Y'all guys are really good together. So much so, I'm really thinking about developing a beverage bra of my own, but it'll be for middle-aged men. <laughs> oh, shit. The beverage bra. Somebody already vented it. It's already done. Yes, but I'm going to refine it because it's You're not going to ref- be for women. It's going to be for men. So it's going to be for man boobs? For dad yeah, bods? For moobs. Moobs. <laughs> and that's what you should name it. Uh, BYOB or bring your moob. Um, bring your moob. So uh, y'all guys are good together. I really think you should continue interviewing with her too because y'all have a real good, y'all just sound good together. And we could always do a threesome too if you'd wanted to do that. Huh. Yeah. See, you would have totally <laughs> run with that in a conversation with her. But with me, it's like playing arms with playing a uh, playing ball with someone that like you throw them the ball, but they can't catch it because just, they don't have arms. They just, just let it hit their chest and fall to the ground. Uh, that's not that's not right. Y'all talk about all kinds of stuff. I don't know why it, it was very comfortable. So yeah. Well, the 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 part that made me laugh the most was when you're talking about the Amazon guy. Oh my and god! Like, <laughs> and you're like, so you're back for more. That was her. That was. Oh, no, that was you. No, she was the one who had the Amazon guy, not me. No, but you were the one that said, "So you've come back for more." <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. She just has a lot on her plate, so. Uh, I think a lot of people do. I think we're all trying. Well, we all like, we're like, we got a little heavy handed. We started to feel like we were emerging from the chaos. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes I think we're living a life of a buffet of bullshit, you know? Buffet of bullshit. That my friend would be an excellent title to an album. Actually, it'd be a good book too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You should write it. I should write it. Are you trying to say I'm full of shit? No, I'm just saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm not saying. No, that's saying that life is full of. I always tell my uh, when my kids go, you know, I don't. I never wanted this. I never. And I was like, yeah, well, join the club. My life is a series of events I never wanted to experience. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> they never appreciate it. No. They never appreciate my sarcasm. No. No, your sarcasm sometimes it's it's rough for me. I'm like, I can't tell if he's fucking joking. Like, I really don't know. Should I laugh? Should I make a joke? You know, you're so dry that it's hard to tell. I'm really trying to perfect it. I I think pretty soon I will perfect it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you sound like me last week or the week before. And I'm not even drinking. That's what's sad. I have a cup of coffee to help me power on through. How is the sleep schedule going? Oh, man, it is just fucked up, man. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm only laughing because I've been there. I'm only laughing out of, like, camaraderie. You know, my wife is just, like, uh, just a trooper, though. I mean, and, you know, we've been struggling with a lot of things. You know, we have a five-year-old. We have a newborn. Newborn. We have to feed her every two hours. And now she's to the point where she's like, you know what? It's been 15 minutes. And 
You're just about ready to go to sleep. Hey, give me some food. You know, and so we've been trying to breastfeed and it's just it's been really tough. My nipples are so sore. So, so I told my moves would come in handy. Well, the moves are for me. Oh, the moves are for you. <laughs> They're not for the baby. What would you put in your move? That is a good question. Uh, probably many, many things. Many things. It depends on the activity, I guess. I wouldn't put water in it, though. I can tell you that. That's just ridiculous. No. Um, we've just been really struggling getting sleep because yeah. now, you know, we try to get up to support each other. You can do it. You know, like that, uh, that dude from the water boy, you can like do she's, it. Like she's you can do it all long. night long. <laughs> yes. That's the best. <laughs> yeah. Doing it all night long has a new meaning now. Doesn't it though? <laughs> but, well. but it's, I mean, it's, it's going well. It's just, it's, just, it's just really chaotic. I mean, I'm, you're tired. Uh, I'm tired. And all I can think about, I have nightmares about, Oh my God, we've run out of bottles and formula. And my nipples hurt, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's. I mean, it's it's good. I don't want anyone to think that you know that that it's it's tough. I mean, well, it's tough, but it's going bad or whatever. I think it's just regular stuff. It's regular newborn baby. Five, four, three, two, one. It's the Skylar Reed show. Hi, Yo, hi. <laughs> Skylar, this is my new co-host, Brent, which I'm sure you've heard. Wait, so did you get a co-host? I, I, I did. I, I've never met Uncle Brent. Hello. This is Brent. You're welcome. Welcome to the family, son. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> how have you been doing? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm, I'm okay right now. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, there's ups and downs of the day but right in this in this moment i'm glad to be talking to you guys and i was just under a blanket on the couch so that's that's good how did how did you guys meet i interviewed him on my last podcast and this one and then i just slowly harassed him until he said whoa (laughs) no actually (laughs) it was it took two years (laughs) i would i would always i'd always listen to her podcast and and I'd say, good job. Keep going. Keep doing it. And she's like, damn it. I need to get rid of this guy somehow. And it just backfired on her. It really did. <laughs> like, now I'm on the show forever. <laughs> now I'm just kind of constantly be like, you have to keep going. Mm. Just keep swimming. So, Skylar, man, I want to talk to you. I, yes. I, I combed the internet with you. Not only with a comb, but a pick. I could not find you at first, but so what's, what's the deal with your name? It's spelled very different. Can you tell me about that? Yeah. I, uh, I, I'm, I'm always scared. Like when I'm talking about like branding, which is a, a sad, but inevitable thing that I have to think about. I am always afraid that people are going to miss the E because when you say Skylar, I think the, the thing that people jump on most easily S K Y L-A-R, but right. then there's that E in there, so I always have to say, like, Skylar or just Skylar with an E, but if I say Skylar with an E, they're going to throw it where the A is. It's just, it's, it's terrible, but it's my name. <laughs> or they'll put it on the end, man. Yeah, Skylar. <laughs> <laughs> Skylare. Skylare. With a little above the E, 
Oh no, uh, an umlaut or a accent mark. Oh, that, <laughs> that would be sad. good. So, so let's talk about. Um, <laughs> I, we we just, we're so off the rails already that I'm just like we're gonna get back here. I love your transitions. You do this every. Uh, you, at the beginning of every interview. So now that Brent's done, let's go ahead and actually <laughs> That's so fucking I, true. I and I always you, edit it out, but you know what? From now on, I'm just going to leave it. Okay, this is where I'm taking control back. <laughs> I think he purged now, so let's go ahead and proceed with an actual interview. <laughs> He's done. He's the done demons with- are gone. Uh, what what are the you hell? talking about? You, you are like extra ornery today. Dude, I haven't. I have gotten very little sleep. Oh, so you're you're the sleep deprived that's technically crazy and shouldn't drive. No, I'm the sleep deprived that gets a little snarkier every minute. I don't get sleep. <laughs> like, why are you staring at me? No, I don't know if I do that, but but definitely I get a little bit darker and uh, definitely more sarcastic as you're, I. You're uh, ornier than normal. Proceed down the the path of. Uh, delusion <laughs> you're delusional okay that that i believe that but I anyway believe. sorry go ahead but you're right we should start the interview ready go <laughs> i hate you so much flag. oh skylar i'm sorry no it's so, wonderful <laughs> he's like i'm having fun it's was know. wonderful to behold <laughs> <laughs> Shit. behold or beheld Oh, it's beautiful to be held. <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh, slice no. of two words. I love being held. <laughs> uh, oh God. Oh okay. good luck. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, and they're like this and I have to edit. At some point <laughs> at some point I will Shit. be quiet. No, it won't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll let you go, Bruno. Fucking now I don't even know what I was saying. You're going to say, all right, guys, let's yeah, actually. Yeah, that's right. Let's get back to the interview. So, Skylar, um, what have you been doing since we last interviewed? Because I know you were writing a, a play, a musical, anyway. Yeah. Well, that's the whole, like, every song I'm writing is is a part of the the music itself, like the musical itself. For some reason, I feel like musical is just like a dirty word. It's like a bad I word. So. I think it's a great word. It is a good word. It's good, like... I feel like oftentimes people have the perception that like when I don't know if as artists yourselves, I wonder if you guys have had this experience where people will ask you like this really generic question. They'll say, what do you do? And if the response isn't something that they understand, like I am an X where you say your profession there that when whenever you say something like odd or out of the ordinary, usually people shut down. And so oftentimes when people ask me, what do I do? Like that seems to be so broad. I just fill it with the thing I've been spending most of my time with, which is writing a musical, but that scares people and that makes people really uncomfortable. And so it's like, I don't know. I just, I think that's something I have to get used to is, is why do you think you, why do you think that that makes people uncomfortable? Hmm. And why was that such a hard sentence to say? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. That's, um, I think oftentimes people 
are raised to only fit into a very narrow subsect of what subsect isn't a word a subset of what people think is like appropriate or okay to be and it's like an example is like if people say how are you doing and if the answer is anything other than good it's like you've now strayed off the social path into you know the the weird territory where i'm gonna start thinking about how i actually feel and i don't want to do that so when i don't know when you just lie then yeah, it's just like you're like just I'm lie. doing good, and then people are fantastic. like, "Good." Now I don't have to d- deal with you anymore. <laughs> I can like that's walk so funny. Away. Why do you think people feel awkward? Is it because you, it's untraditional for someone to be writing a musical? Is that what you think? Well, I think I think it has something to do with how people view art, because I think oftentimes in our I'm making lots of blanket statements, but in our like Western society, if, if someone is not engaging in a very particular job in which they make X amount of dollars and is deemed appropriate by people, Mm -hmm. then they're doing something wrong. And so I think oftentimes when you say I'm a dancer or I'm, I'm a painter or I like, I like to sing just like, just even like singing, I think oftentimes there is a subconscious reaction that people give that person that's like, oh, what you're doing is weird and wrong and something's wrong with you, which activates all the the inner psychological turmoil of like, I'm not a part of the pack, I'm not accepted, people don't like me, and thusly I am now my like my superego is gonna turn on and tell me that what I'm doing is really wrong and then they internalize it. So oftentimes I think people just try and smooth the situation over and that's all happened uh, that's what i find so crazy is that all of that maybe not all the time but it's happening in real time that is like that process at least for me and a few other artists i've known that process is happening in that moment to try and course correct instead of just facing the fear and saying i'm an actor which people you know which people do but I think it's just it's just really difficult for people to have to come into contact with that piece of sociology all the time. And that it makes me sad and it I, I see it makes other people sad mm-hmm. and I think there's there's a better way somewhere. So, <laughs> and it really derails the the artist from why did I say artist so weird? It really artist de- artist it really derails the artist from doing what they are probably be like called if for lack of a better word mm-hmm. to do so so basically what i hear mm-hmm. you saying is people are judging creatives because their method of earning an income is not typically accepted for the rest of the population yes i think that's i think that's part of it i think there's a weird like symbiotic relationship people think that the arts and making money has to have like if if you are if you are an artist like if you're if you play guitar if you play saxophone if you're not actively making a living wage doing that then what you're doing is wrong and that's bad it's it's these like broad brush strokes people make about art and what art should be and what jobs should be oftentimes 
I don't know. I I don't even know where I'm going with this sentence. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'll, I'll be honest. I think that most people think true artists are bums. They're lazy people who couldn't cut it working a real job. Hmm. And I think that's a general consensus. And that's why you need to surround yourself with other musicians and creatives because they'll tell you not only if what you're doing is right or if what you do has merit, but they'll also tell you when you're fucking up. Like if you're not being true to yourself, my favorite part about the people who are like, Oh, you're, you're an artist or you're a creative. Oh, and those are the same people that enjoy the, the art and the music and, and actor and movies and, and all the stuff. And it's like, you know, without me, people like us, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have anything to fucking do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, just saying. Be looking at a brick all day. Just saying. I did listen to the last episode. I actually have listened to it twice because I remembered it as a, as I got into it again. Mm-hmm. So you're writing a musical, which is basically a psychological musical thriller mm-hmm. of a serial killer, correct? Mm-hmm. See, this yes is why no. I love going on the show. That's no, yes, yes. and no. Exactly. Well, <laughs> yes, but but that's how you're gonna sell it. Okay. So okay. This is this is like the huge this is like the big the big meaty part of the the artistic process that I love is that I remember when we recorded that episode I was trying to find a way to so sell hard. the musical <laughs> oh anyways okay so basically the whole serial killer idea got thrown out immediately oh man I like, thought it was good no I thought I, it was great yeah me too I was like this is because a it, ex- it made sense about why he, the lead character was so fucking psychotic with the relationships around him why he could not figure his life out yeah yeah, that's. I think there there was an uh, an incredible uh, like narrative seed there, and the seed stayed, but okay. everything around the seed just got thrown out. Okay. And then I was so I was writing music, and I'm I'm arranging for the first couple of singles, and and then I started I started taking this master class from this dramatist named David Mamet and and Aaron Sorkin, and I was learning about drama and how to write drama and. And the Aristotle and the the structures of storytelling, and so I was like, "All right, the serial killer thing isn't working out." You know, I was trying to find the true nature of the story, and I was like, "Okay." So I started thinking about telling a story about a man who just found out he had a daughter and was trying to reconcile his life of alcoholism so that uh, he can reconnect with his daughter and then I was really on that for a long time and I was like yes I I understand this I'm very connected to the story and then a couple weeks ago just like the serial killer I was like okay I got what I got from this experience of writing for this character and then all of that fell away again and by that time I'd watched this film have you guys seen Tick Tick Boom? No. It's uh, oh it's wonderful I, I i thought it was wonderful and the story follows jonathan larson who is the the guy that wrote rent he's most famous for writing rent and so the movie was directed by uh another famous musician lin-manuel miranda who wrote hamilton and it follows mm-hmm. this guy is it was it's just a perfect a wonderful wonderful story the the man in new york is trying to write a musical and he is living in kind of a shanty apartment and his relationships are falling away. And this, uh, the musical took place in the nineties when Jonathan Larson was writing in New York. And so 
I I had watched that and I was so inspired. I was laying in bed a couple nights later and something just clicked in my head, much like when I discovered the songs I was writing were a part of a greater musical, something else happened. I was in bed and I was laying in the dark. I couldn't go to sleep. And then all of a sudden I realized that the musical that I had spent so much time writing isn't about anything other than me. And I had to bring it all back in because Jonathan Larson's agent in the movie told him after his first musical flopped, she said, word of advice, write from what you know. And so I realized that, you know, I'm a 26-year-old guy living in Lake City, Seattle. and So you're a serial killer? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no that's... That's gone. No, no, no. That's all my secrets are being spilled on air. No. I have a, I have a question. Is that the Andrew Garfield movie? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. If you, if you, I mean, if you like Spider-Man, doubt artist, and if you like Spider-Man, you'll love watching him sing and dance on screen. It's a good time. <laughs> oh, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I, I realized that this, this musical that I was making, I just kept trying to make it about other people and kept trying to make it about these, these weird facsimiles or these like shattered pieces of myself that I, I wanted to pour my emotions into to try and tell a real story. And then it occurred to me, Sky, why don't you just tell your own story and yeah. just have it be about the experience of writing the musical. Have it be kind of just about my life because that's the closest I'm ever going to get to a dramatic story. And I, after being trained from these classes with Aaron Sorkin about writing dialogue and reading Aristotle and listening to David Mamet. I was like, I can dramatize the events that led up to the production of this musical. And so I just started to reformat all the songs I had written a little bit more. And then I realized I didn't have to jam the songs into this weird narrative. And instead I was like, well, this is just, about me period (laughs) realizing you really were needing to write about you opened up the creative process for the storytelling as well as the music and made it almost easier yes a hundred percent are you done i am done that is a a wonderful thing to actually truthfully say to somebody you are fully (laughs) done writing it i am done writing all of the music there are some lyrics that need to be worked out and now so the music is written almost i would say like 95 percent of the lyrics are worked out and now i am writing the script like the actual dialogue it's taken me like four or five years now to get to the dialogue but now i have the music i almost got the lyrics i'm almost to i don't know the i got a couple of scenes into the first act and so it just feels very real now, and I feel very grateful to be able to actually tell that to people. <laughs> so let me ask you this. So you're doing this play that's no longer about a serial killer or an alcoholic. Yes. And so basically being a musician is funny because a lot of times you look at around you, what's around you and write it, but you're always writing it from how you're experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of funny that – that you would finally come around to, oh, I'm just going to write about what I know about what I'm seeing. So the question is, is what components of your life are you putting into this show? Because like there are things like when I write songs, I have to go through something 
mm-hmm. to be able to write certain songs. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my tequila songs are pretty easy. Drink too much tequila, you write a song. But, you know, th- there are different emotions depending on the song. And you, your songs, or at least the few I listen to, are multi-layered. Mm-hmm. Um, there are different emotions that go through it. Mm-hmm. And so what parts of your life, since you are writing about yourself, it is somewhat autobiographical. What yeah. are you pulling into your show or your uh, musical? Yeah, what's the story about now? Other than- uh, the the story, I think, takes place a couple of years ago. I'm, time time is kind of irrelevant, but there was what? a time. Especially the- <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, what year is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't even. Some days it's like I wake up at like 7 and then I blink and then it's like 6 p.m. And I'm like, oops. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what happened just Where totally disassociated there that's <laughs> terrible you're like how old am i now i'm 45 a <laughs> uh, debt no one told me that <laughs> no um oh to answer your question okay so uh the story takes place about some particularly uh hazardous and difficult relationships i had a string of them and there was a precipitating event that kind of led to the creation of this album. There was a, I had a best friend and he lived with these two girls and, uh, I like where this is going. Go ahead. (laughs) See, that's when I, when this first started, that's what I thought too. I was like, that's not, that's not terrible, terrible thing to be in. And then it was like a nightmare. And I think everyone got scarred coming out of that. And, uh, it was, see, I don't, I don't know how to how to format it yet, and I think that's what's interesting. What had happened was I was doing a lot of drugs, and I started I was experimenting with a lot of psychedelics a lot of the time. So it wasn't like I would have you know a transcendent experience and I'd go away from it and I'd think about it. It was just like weekend, weekend, sometimes twice a week, three times a week, and weed and drinking. You know, it's like and. I started seeing some crazy stuff, you know, I uh, started seeing all sorts of beings. I started talking to things that weren't there or that were there and that my mind was just primed to see. Um, And that was all intertwined in this kind of uh, blossoming relationship and and a kind of a weird love triangle that was going on. And then, eventually all of that ended and I had to kind of pick up the pieces and I uh I was continuing my drug use but I had uh I guess what could be considered an incredibly powerful uh trip and I I refer to it lovingly as my hell trip and uh okay. <laughs> I took I took too too much and I think I was in such a physical strange physical place i was in like this i don't know like 500 square foot apartment in the middle of downtown seattle and it was like teeny tiny and i took so so many mushrooms and i was so depressed and had no friends so it's like you're gonna have a you're gonna have something called a hell trip and so after that i had some interesting realizations and shortly after I got sober and after I got sober I started writing music and as I was writing music I was doing this 
uh, I was doing this uh, artist's recovery program. It's this 12 steps kind of thing called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. And uh, about week four, I don't know. I, I always pin everything on week four. About week four, I had this, I think I talked about it last time. There was this kind of like bell ringing, God sending ding. And I was like, oh, these songs are a musical. And I had grown up with musicals and I love the American musical. I I love everything about it. The dancing, the lights, the the spectacle, the it's just beautiful and and so I started to think, well, what what are these what is this musical about? And then it took me a long time to figure out it was just about itself, you know. It was a musical about creating a musical. And so I was like, and the, and then I, not only that, but I saw Jonathan Larson do it on Netflix and then I started seeing people like Bo Burnham and there's a musical called Fanny, Fanny Lou Hammer. It was a one woman show. Bo Burnham's doing a one man show. Tick Tick Boom was originally a one man show. And I was like, why can't, why can't I do that? And then the answer was, well, you can, it's just going to take a while. And so I started producing things and I'm talking to, you know, like world renowned mix engineers and talking to crazy saxophonists in Russia and, building this thing from the ground up not see that's what's incredible though because when i first started it was like oh i'm all alone and no <laughs> no it's gonna and then i come to learn that i have these incredible musicians helping me build this absolutely bananas product like all of the demos i have on soundcloud in comparison with the first single that's about to release is like what's a i don't know like peanut butter and chocolate or apples and oranges i just didn't want to use apples and oranges you know it's night and day it's right incredible so let's talk about that because i definitely heard a difference in growing pains mm -hmm. this time compared to last time so let's talk mm -hmm. about that yeah um <laughs> that, was that was the greatest thing ever so this growing pains has been fully produced it is completely there's a there's a new arrangement i have i have uh an acoustic guitarist a saxophonist a drummer a bassist um my keys uh i have a backup singer on the track and it's been mixed by this guy named jonathan plum and jonathan plum is wonderful he's like he's got this he's just good to look at like he's not like ooh he's a sexy man he's a good looking man but he's just he has such kind eyes and he's got this scraggly black beard and he's just a professional too and he's very kind and it's been mixed by him and it's just a uh, it's incredible and it was mastered by a lady up here in Seattle so it's professionally mixed professionally mastered you got the whole band on it i spent months arranging the intro and we shot a music video for it and it's just oh, right that like, come out that's a good question um so well that was a total evasion evasive uh answer <laughs> that's a good just... question next please next don't talk to me <laughs> no. no i was gonna ask you um that song to me had a heavy billy joel influence yeah. to it yeah um well is that your purpose or was that something you just you wrote it and then you you went through it and made your edits and then you step back and go oh that's that's there's some Billy Joel stuff in there because there's there's 
there are, there's more than one instrument that reflects a sound of Billy Joel. Yeah. Um, some of the vocals, vocal lines you sing are have have like his tone, some of mm-hmm. his tone. And the funniest part is you have some vocal tones of Ozzy Osbourne too. Oh yeah, Ozzy rocks. <laughs> you do, and I, I don't think that was planned. I just think that's where your voice sits comfortably. Yeah. Wow. And so because of that, it, the tone comes through. But it, it's a neat, unique blending of Billy Joel. And then the keyboard part. Are you using a real piano or a keyboard or what are you using? Yeah, I'm using a, a Nord Stage 3. It's a it's a electric piano or it's a it's technically called a quote unquote stage piano, but it is a piece of technology. It's not an acoustic piano. It sounded good. Thank you. I I spent a long time trying to get a really like clear and crisp piano sound out of it because it comes with a bunch of presets. But I was like, I had to sit around for hours and fiddle at the all the insane knobs and reverb and what else is on this thing? I got to look at it. Chorus, blah blah blah. That's what musicians musicians do. It's because we're hopeless dorks. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Everybody's like, I want to be a rock star. Rock stars are so cool. I'm like, nah, the music video is cool. But that guy in his house is sitting over a guitar or a keyboard going, what new weird sound can I make? Oh, yeah. There's a a really good video of John Mayer creating uh, a solo for, he came out with a single like two years ago. And it's like the seven minute video of him just making stank face over him trying to make this solo and he just stops and starts and stops and starts and yeah. he's just like the king <laughs> he's a, that dude is a monster yeah <laughs> that dude is a monster especially on guitar um yeah i'm gonna have to go find that and check it out but pretty much yeah. he always looks like he's in pain when he's playing and that's what every guitarist looks like though if you're good I, I was I'm appreciating your profile picture here on Zoom. It's like it's, you got it's a that. great singing face. <laughs> I'm constipated right there. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I got to push it out. You're like, Argh. so when is the video coming out, and where did you shoot it at? I the video is going to. This is kind of a vague answer, but it, the video is coming out roughly three days after the single comes out. And the single is supposed to come out this Friday, but I just ran into some distribution problems, so the the single may come out next Friday, which will Who's be your Friday before this even airs. Okay, what is the video about? The video is about all sorts of things. It's about I I filmed it, so I started taking acting classes because hey, if I'm in if I'm putting a musical on, I better not fucking suck when i get on stage so can you imagine you're like just get up there and you're like i I have a a car people would be like shut the fuck up you know that's that's my whole goal whenever i get up there i'm just like all right let's see how low we can take this damn (laughs) before i get booed off stage (laughs) i went to an open mic time one time or open mic time, open mic night one time. It's okay. We're all on the same wavelength. The listeners might not be, but it's fine. Go ahead. They're like these guys are drunk. Um, no, I went to a, uh, I went to an open mic night, and I was uh, explaining. I don't know, not explaining, but I was like 
saying what the song was about. I have this song called Addiction, and I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's about all sorts of addictions. Uh, weed, alcohol, and I was like, predominantly sex addiction. And then a lady in the back was like, the best kind! And I was like, no, I'm I'm being serious. It wrecked my life. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, it's not. Nothing about it was the best. I know, and just, no one said anything, and I was like, okay here's the song anyways here's the song taking it low i'm just gonna avoid all of this (laughs) you know what you should have repeated it three more times (laughs) it's not funny (laughs) you're screaming at people so you are performing in this video are the other musicians that played on the uh master performing too no they are uh very far away one of them's in germany Another guy, like the saxophonist is in Russia. Nice. I think the bassist is in Maryland. The video itself centers around, because the, the intro to the song is this kind of soundscape and it makes it sound like we're on a movie set. And so we recorded, I, there was a bunch of kids from my drama class that helped me perform the Mashuga, and it's it's incredible. And we got... We got some amazing faces in there and we're we're basically pretending like we're on a movie set. And then the latter half of the music video is all sorts of little tiny vignettes of me talking to another version of me and being scared by me. You know, it's just like I, I, I will have filmed a chair and... I'll be sitting in the chair talking to someone. Then the camera pans over to the right and it's just another version of me. It's just me sitting in the opposite chair responding. So there's a lot of like weird nice, self-referential humor, I guess. <laughs>
Don't stop. I noticed that you said these people, you're the musicians you're working with from different areas. Did you select musicians because you'd heard their style and you said, oh, this person would do a really good job? Or did you just go to, how, how did you choose the musicians you chose to play on the track? I went to, have you ever heard of Fiverr? I have. Yes. Yeah. I'm having an interesting reaction to this question because originally when I started, I felt much like the like saying what do you do question i felt kind of dirty using fiverr like i can't find musicians in my area to actually play with me so now i have to like resort to fiverr but i vetted so many musicians and i finally found some that i could adequately pay like they wanted a particular sum and i felt you know this is fair and i can pay you and they provided me with amazing tracks and i think if if you're not able to find musicians around you, it's either go on the internet or don't find musicians. It's like, yep, yeah. I I, I like using I musicians from other other countries, other and even songwriters, um, mm-hmm. co-writers. Um, because I have a few. If I'm looking for something really specific, then I I actually go look, and I don't worry about having someone near me. There was a time where I'd be like, oh shit, I hear this stuff in my head. I can't play Mm -hmm. and I don't know anyone that can play it. Or, you know, I know this guy can play it, but he doesn't fucking listen to me (laughs) when I tell him what to play. And so it's it's a good uh, resource. And I think it's cool that you, you tapped into those resources that, that says a bunch of things that one, you're confident enough in what you're doing to believe that it's worth bringing in very skilled musicians to do your parts. You know, it, it shows growth that you're confident in yourself. So I think that's kind of cool that you did that. So specifically when you hired the other people, like you mentioned a sax player and mm-hmm. you mentioned a guitarist and someone else from another area, what, mm-hmm. what attracted you to their styles and stuff like that? Yeah. The guitarist was the hardest, but I think the saxophonist was the easiest. He's this Russian guy named Oleg and I, I was looking for someone to just rip and there's a couple of there's a couple of sections in that sax solo where there's just this big strong note and I was really looking for that and like I clicked this guy's like little profile and then it, he's just the man like I have never heard someone play saxophone like this dude does and it, you know it's so funny because here we are, you know, in America speaking English and the guy speaks English, but it is so delightful to work with someone all the way in fucking Russia who can just fucking slay, slay on the saxophone. It just is, it's incredible. And I remember when I heard it, I showed my sister and she was like, Holy fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you got sister's approval, that's awesome. So, so did you, so did you use the same saxophone player for, S-F-A-K-A? Yes. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. So so when I was listening, this freaked me out because at point in time, I was listening and I was like, is that a fucking alto sax or is that a trumpet because of the way he was staccatoing some of his notes? Because, you know, the trumpet's like real 
you know, like, yeah, like bullet. And he was doing his saxophone like that. But the way the tone he was giving off was like a trumpet at sometimes. And I was like, I don't know if that's a real sax player, trumpet player, something in between. Do they have some type of new instrument? Is he playing it on keyboards? Like I was really confused what you're doing. That was one of my notes for that song to specifically ask. On that song, the S-F-A-K-A, mm-hmm. is that how you say it? Yeah, it's you could say it like that, but it's also just pronounced Sfaka. Sfaka? Sfaka. Sfaka. Like an alien. <laughs> uh, is that a made-up word? I had a... It, I, I think it is a made-up word. I had a dream about it one time. I, I, was, I was writing that song, and I had no idea what to call it, and I was just way in the beginning stages of it, and... Uh, I had a dream one time that I was at a concert somewhere and I saw someone's bass had a sticker on it and the sticker said star child father, AKA. And I woke up and I remembered that and I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And then I just shortened (laughs) it to S F A K A. (laughs) So do you know what it means now? No clue. No idea. I know. It's like, what is star child father? I have no idea. So the other thing about that song, Safaka, sounds like a new kind of coffee or something. But anyway, the the groove is like really cool. And then about, I don't know, about a third of the way through, you start doing scat vocals too. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, the the drums. Yeah. (laughs) No, the vocals. There were vocal scats. Did you start? How did that come about? That was, that's so funny because that... I think I, that just got left in there because for me, that was like, this is how the drums are going to go. But it was just like me trying to remember how to fill them with drums. And I think it just got left in. Oh, that's funny. It's that great. You should so leave it funny. in there. Maybe um, you should leave it. That's a good idea. You should idea. leave it in there. My favorite line from that, from that song itself is love more, want less. What you need is in your chest or something like that. Oh, yeah. That is a good line and very thought-provoking. So right, yeah. what is that song about? I think I just wanted to write something that was kind of groovy and positive because oftentimes the songs that I write sound positive, but there's like a darker twist behind them. So I just wanted to like, I'm writing a happy song that's about basically the like the, the good stuff of life and it makes me feel good. Let in 
in the sunshine, sunshine in, let it in, that sunshine, play on, and let the sunshine in. When you're feeling kinda quiet and you think you gotta ride Just relax and take a minute and remember you are in it So baby don't you worry cause you're living in a hurry And you'll just come back when you're dead and gone So drop what you were lugging cause I think you need some loving And a break from all the tugging and a jugging up the mountain And honey don't you sweat it cause you know you won't regret it And we shout Amen, Amen to the here and now Woo! Straight laced Tight shoes Who gave you the computer blues? Love more Want less What you need is inside your chest And when you're seeing God You feel her in the air Be here, be now my friends And I will meet you there Let in the sunshine Let in the sunshine Sunshine in Let in That sunshine Play on And let the sunshine in say as you went through making your songs and producing 
your quality has gotten better. And some of it is because you've brought people in, but it's also because you've learned more. So as far as your vocals go, would you say that you've gotten more comfortable with your vocals as you went in? And can you also say if you have gotten more comfortable, how did you get more comfortable? What steps did you take to get more comfortable? What's interesting when I, when I started writing music, I was in that little tiny like 500 square foot apartment and I had no shame. And so I was like, yes, I understand people are below me, above me and on left and right, but I'm going to write this music. So I got to. And so there was a level of like no fucks given, but like maybe maybe three fucks given. So I never was like (laughs) singing, you know, like at from my stomach and my the hardest that I can go. And eventually I learned that if I'm singing, no one's going to count the three fucks. So you got to like, I have to lose that. And so eventually I was like, you know what, if I'm going to sing, I'm going to sing from my stomach and I'm going to sing to the best of my ability. And so I think when I started to do that, I've, I've been able to get up a little bit higher and I have a little bit more stamina, but my voice is still my voice, but you know, I think it's just gotten technically a little bit easier to sing so basically you're saying i just fucking wail (laughs) i just do it um i mean because because you're talking about you know you probably didn't push as hard you know from your diaphragm which is what you used to not only reach certain notes but also just have power when you sing Mm -hmm. um did you change where you were living that helped you with that or because because you have to be in a place where you can like actually sing so is there anything else you want to tell us about the project or are we just kind of mm. waiting on you to finish writing the the script? Will you keep me in the loop for when yes. you're going to do it? Yes. Because all I need is an excuse. And I just said this to Dark Soft, whose who's interview just came out like a couple of weeks ago. I really just need the fucking excuse to go to Seattle. I need a reason to go. Yeah. That's so yeah. good that I can be like, it's business. When I I promise you that when the play comes out, I will try my hardest to remember to send you a ticket. I would love Aww. to have you guys there. <laughs> Where can my listeners find you? That isn't that the question. I'm gonna. I promise you, I will get better at that. But um, you can find me now on Facebook, and it's Skylar the Music on facebook s-k-y-e-l-a-r and then you can find me on instagram by the same oh. name and then eventually when the single comes out you'll be able to find me literally everywhere else so i have something to tell y'all during this episode my daughter for the last few days has had her bottom tooth trying to come out and during Aww. this episode it came out yay. She, oh, yay. she, she came scary. in and i wasn't really able to celebrate with her so if you could Leave something in that in this episode so I can uh so I can so that we acknowledge the the great thing that happened. She lost her tooth. All right, Skylar, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm gonna let you go and uh enjoy the rest of your evening. Yeah, thanks guys. I thank am you. really from the bottom of my heart. And I really genuinely want to go see this play. I've been wanting to see this now that it's changed a couple times. Now I'm like, now, now I'm dedicated. I need to see it now. Uh, thank you so much again for coming to another episode of Sound Pollution. 
We appreciate you. Mace, make sure that you are clicking on those links below. Uh, show us some love. Show the artists some love. Share, share, share. Get out comment. there. Comment, subscribe, download, all of it. Across tell the us board. you don't love us. Tell us you no, do. No, don't tell us you don't love us. Tell no, us you love us. No, if you don't keep, love us. you Keep your you, fucking opinion to yourself. How about that? You, you come and tell me. That's fine. Yeah, I'll don't, be okay I'm sensitive that. and shit. I'll, I'll lose. I'll cry for days. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be like, they don't like me. I don't know if you're that sensitive. I'm pretty fucking sensitive, really. It just, I'm just, it's just, it's all, it's, there's like the soft little sensitive egg and, and it's just, the shell is super bitch and it's, it's, it's to keep me safe. So the main point is like, subscribe. Yeah. And do all those other little things that we. And if you got uh, mean things to say, go say it to Brent. Leave me alone. That's right. Come to me. Oh. And remember, make some noise. Hurry!